shout out to Jack Holloway and Heaven's Music who provided the title soundtrack to the podcast. It is called Melancholia. Welcome to the Growing Pains podcast where we are helping millennials get out of adult adolescence one candid conversation at a time. I am your host, Moki Busao, and I'm joined by the ever rilla, don't get more rilla than her, Anne Harrington. And today we're joined by a very special guest, um, a friend of mine from, actually we were colleagues um, in a previous life at Gordon, Con- Gordon Conwell, at Gordon College, where we were resident directors. Um, now she is the assistant director of um, multicultural and international life. Um, my good friend, Clamisha Richards. Mish, how you doing? I'm good. I'm here. I'm alive. Hey, thanks for having me. It, it, the pleasure is all ours. And today, what's great is I didn't notice this until just now, but the the variety of, of hairstyles today is very, very delicious. Um, I'm talking about y'all too. I, I, I'm just envious at this point. It's it's a lost cause for me. They have lace fronts for men. Come on now. God always makes a way. He does. <laughs> Specifically for brothers. You know, you can you can find up in everything. <laughs> Man, I've been seeing that. And part of me has uh has thought about it. But the problem is the upkeep. I can't keep doing that. Hmm. It's gonna cost me too much daggone money. Um, and also now everybody has seen me bald. And so, you know, it's like Steve Harvey. Now, if he ever, if he got that himself after being bald for so long, they'll be like, Steve, <laughs> we know what you're doing. So <clears throat> I don't think I could pull that off. But before we get into the nitty gritty, as uh, Nacho Libre would say, we got to get into the dogs. And, and I know you're gonna, your story is always better than ours or mine, at least. Um, Mish, do do you do you like dogs? I I like other people's dogs. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> you can you can have your dog. You Usually, your I dog. feel like I hear people say that like I like other people's kids. I but. feel like dogs are children. <laughs> they are needy and they want your attention, and they take a lot of your money and your time. <laughs> And the the poop thing is a little unpredictable too. So oh my gosh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. Whereas babies eventually get potty trained, you will be mm-hmm. picking up after your dog for the rest of their life. That's a very good point. And, and dogs don't wear diapers, so no. that is a problem. <laughs> well, for me, I did uh, see some dogs this week. A very big improvement from the last month. I feel like. Um, a past client of mine has uh, bought a big old house and they got a, a space in the main level for some dogs, For like specifically for dogs. I went over there to do some, um, they had to get an inspection, so I was there. And their dogs are amazing. I got lots of love, lots of cuddles, lots of kisses, lots of, lots of everything I'd ever hoped for from the dogs not from my client. So the dogs 
were I, I don't know the breeds, um, but they man, there's like so many, there's like millions of breeds of dogs, but um, they were super friendly, super like lovey dovey, um, and and they didn't shed. There are there are no shedding dog breed, which is good. So I might think about them for the future. But um, man, it was twenty minutes of just solid me and dog time. Your love tank like was that. full at the end. It was it was overflowing. It was couldn't contain it. It's like a it's like a suitcase you're trying to pack to Cancun for two days. Can't fit it all in. <laughs> well and tell me your story that's yeah. better than mine yeah well we'll see if it's better but um yeah so it was with my my family for the holidays most of december in fact and um and my sister was watching this her neighbor's puppy um and like chihuahua jack russell cross we think it was you know a rescue puppy and um I would hope that that dog was an accident, but, uh, you never know for sure. Um, at any rate, little, little guy, um, kind of like yappy, lots of like sharp teeth kind of situation. But <laughs> my niece is four and she was obsessed with him because he's small enough for her to pick up. So she was just chasing him around pretty much nonstop trying to pick him up. He'd bite at her. She'd put him down, chase him again. Anyway. So they, they went home, the dog went home, uh, couple days in and the next the next morning my niece woke up and she goes oh is he coming over today and no he's not and oh he's almost too cute for me to handle which is just like I feel like that's that's the the vocabulary of a four-year-old that's like spent a lot of time with adults during quarantine right you know she's not in preschool anymore so she's just nope. picking up all these like adult phrases that Almost too cute for me to handle. So anyway, not really a dog story, a niece story, but it's cute anyway. So dog story is a dog story. As long as there's some dogs in there. And it fills your love tank. That's all that counts. It That's does. Yeah. 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 That's true. Well, the quality of life thing. There you go. Quality over quantity, but quality and quantity. Come on now. That's where God meets you. <clears throat> Speaking of God, <clears throat> man, it's Sunday. I preached this morning. So I'm all like, I got my metaphors and everything all tight and lined up. Um, but let's get to the nitty gritty. Um, so we're going to be talking about femininity today. And with your students now, and even when we were at Gordon, I think there's a distinction between the performance, I guess, of, you know, femininity, I guess, and then uh, just, I guess, being a human being of that particular <laughs> that particular department what are the what are the struggles that your students have and have faced when it comes to the, the female students where they like feel this pressure to perform in a certain kind of way and they're like different like models or like stereotypes or whatever you want to call them that they feel like they're supposed to be living into and has and, and did that cause problems for them I mean, I, I guess, so um, I have a lot of thoughts. So I guess I'll try to stick to your question. <laughs> All good. You could. Or don't. Yeah. Don't, go wherever you want well, to. Let them, let them go. 
Okay, so what came to mind as you were talking has nothing to do with your question, but everything. I don't ask good. it. I, I don't ask good questions. That's okay. You talk with <laughs> has everything talk. to do with uh, being feminine. So when I first got to, I mean, even I can start before Gordon. Before Gordon, I was a teacher, so I taught art. Um, pretty much K through twelve, but uh, particularly. Uh, is the the high schoolers, right? So coming in to teach high schoolers as a black female, and so I taught in uh, inner city of Chicago, and I also taught in Gary, Indiana. So the population of student was predominantly black students, and the thing is, is that um, stereotypically we had students who were raised by their mothers. And not all students' fathers were in the picture or very uh, worked too many jobs or uh, was gang affiliated. So it was a, a myriad of, of different stories. But what I saw as a woman coming into that institution was that I had more respect of the students as a Black woman than a Black male, than it was a white woman, and then it was a white male. And that's how the kind of teaching hierarchy went as far as respect from Black students to their teachers. And so white men were totally disrespected and at a level that was like, like uncalled for, like getting locked out of their classroom, like hiding their keys, doing all types of ridiculous stuff and pranks and stuff. But no one pulled any of that with me. They, you know, they were rowdy, they were loud, whatever, whatever, you know, had their own issues. But it's, it was kind of like, I wish you would. Like, <laughs> and it, I think it just was a reflection of how they viewed their mothers. And I think that has to a lot to do with a feminine presence or how they were raised in their household with a level of respect towards their mothers. Then they viewed me and respected me in that type of level. And continuing on to going into Gordon, my first year, all the students called me mom. I have no kids. I have no kids of my own. So all the students called me Mama Mish and Mama K. And it's, it's, it's a femininity thing, right? To just come in. And also because I command a certain level of respect, right? And I demand a certain level of respect from my students. I don't care how old you are, or how young you are, right? You will not operate in a mode of disrespect. And I think a lot of people were afraid, right? Like the kind of fear that you have of a parent or of discipline or whatever. And, and that's to say that everyone can do that and not every woman can do that because not every woman was called mom. And so it was interesting because people asked me, how do you feel about that? Like, are you okay? You know, like, with random 18, 19 year olds calling you mama. And I was like, I don't, I don't care. Like even to this day, like some of those first students will hit me up on Facebook, like, hey, mama K, you know? And it's just like what I'm known as, right? And so it's this level of, even if a male RD came in with the same kind of presence, they wouldn't call him daddy. 
Like that's not a thing, right? Like you wouldn't, you would, you wouldn't, well, right? Like you wouldn't too, say bad or you know, that's not a nickname or that people give to men. Like not like that, right? And I feel like, in a way, that being female or or nurturing even like warrants mm-hmm. that. And even mm-hmm. if a, a male was a nurturing type of male, dad is right. not the first thing they would be called. Right. 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 That's Um, true. Yeah. And I think that even Mm -hmm. if a a male showed care or tenderness and nurturing, they would be it would be more negative. It would be like, oh, well, they're soft or they're this before it's more of a a parental. Like, I, I feel like people view women. And if they see that they're nurturing, it's automatically maternal. That's fascinating. And nothing to do with your questions. So. <laughs> no, but it's it's no it's a no it's it's a good que- it's a good answer, and you know so it it gets at so what one it sounds like there's um there's like the this how do you say it like a disposition almost like you're like you said you've got these qualities that when you display them it you know, you, you, it positions you in a certain kind of relationship or, a, a, uh, or like the, a, a type of relationship with other people because, because you're a woman. Um, whereas, I mean, if, and you said like, you know, if, if I come in there, you know, like, Hey man, you know, you're doing the whole tenderness thing, you know, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna have the same kind of effect or it's not gonna engender the same kind of relationship with, like it would if you were or or and were to do it um and what i i i i think this is your your wheelhouse (laughs) i don't don't know like this this subject is 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 so tough to for to be honest for me i just uh i I don't know what i don't know what what to what to ask but it sounds like even like the like there's so okay I, like and you ask another question this Misha it's like there's a you said it like when like if a man does this thing this nurturing or tender shows tenderness it's like perceived as softness or weakness or whatever in the man but in the woman it's seen as like oh that's just you know what what they do um, <clears throat> is there like the, the the perceived like where like something that you do is like perceived negatively based on like cultural whatever whereas you're just doing your own thing is that something you've experienced or like experience that tenderness as like hey i'm just you know i'm just being mish but then like when you're in this like relationship or whatever it's like oh mish is like doing something that's quote-unquote bad i think that i mean to speak to the to the tenderness it's like knowing what your your giftings are. I mean, also like Mo, you're a dad, right? You you now know what fatherhood feels like, and you know what it feels to like want to protect your your child and want to want the best for them. And I would go on a limb to say that you would, in a mentoring relationship, treat a mentee like wanting the best for them, wanting to protect them, wanting to care for them. Right. Right. And so it's just like, it is paternal, but that attribute is not prescribed to you as it is like women. 
right? It's like, oh, she has a natural right. mother instinct. Mm-hmm. No one really says, like, you have a natural fatherly instinct. I don't hear that. <laughs> I don't hear it. I don't know if you oh, do, Anne. Okay. Oh, um, you're 100% right, yeah. And so it's like, hmm. it's like, is this, you know, you're prescribing these things to me that is just natural, right? Uh, I, I learned that I have a gift of hospitality, right? Like, uh, spiritual gifting or otherwise, right? Like I know how to welcome people in. I know how to, um, I know how to throw a hell of a party. I know how <laughs> to, you know, cater to different needs, right? Like if, even if it's not my own home, I know how to be hospitable. And I realize not everyone knows how to do that. But because that is something that I do naturally, it is looked at as maternal because mothers are looked at as homemakers, right? Or mothers are looked at as, you know, welcoming people in and, you know, not everybody had a mother like that, right? And so even if you're coming from a background where your mother didn't do those things, you're going to look at me as motherly, because that's what you expect of a mother, even if that wasn't your story. Even your, if, if, if your mother was a working CEO, right, who was, you know, taking you on airplanes and flying you across the world, right, you're still going to look at someone who is making a home as motherly, right? Um, that's my assumption. And so it's just like because of what is prescribed to us as this is what mothers do or this is what is motherly or this is what it, you know, female, right? And and even if you have um, a male who is doing that, that, then they're not called a male. It's like, oh, you're being more motherly, right? <laughs> or you, or you're, you're being more of the nurturer. So why does that have to be necessarily the case where right. it's not paternal to nurture, it's more maternal to nurture, even if you're a man. And so it's just like, hmm. yeah, or, it's like a societal thing, I think. Yeah. I think too, I've seen, I've seen like a lot of like men that are more nurturing, um, you know, the, the praise that is, it's like, oh, you have a high EQ. Like he has a high EQ, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah. Like, why is that something that we're, we should be surprised at? You know, if men, Mm. if men display that, like, why is that an exceptional Mm. thing? Um, Why is that not the default? Yeah. Yeah, And even I think it was a a phenomenon, even with the, the, um, with uh, uh, particularly black men who would do their daughter's hair. And it's just like, oh, wow. Like this high praise for a father taking care of their child. And it's like, like, no, like literally, like you are taking it just as you would feed them or bathe them, like you're taking care of them. And it's just like, oh, wow, like such a good man. It's just like, okay, yes, he is a good man, but he's also taking care of his child. Like there's no, no high praise for a mother who like is whipping up her daughter's hair or we're doing these things, but the expectation is that that is a mother's role or that is a female role to do those things. And when a man does it, it's this high praise, right? Let me ask you this. So let's flip that around. So let's, so there's, um, so it's, it's, it seems like there's this, like when, when men do, 
what traditionally women do, the men get praise, right? Let's use the example of doing hair, right? Mm-hmm. Doing kids, whatever. So what what happens when women do what, what men do? What is the effect, it, right? Because that, you know, let's, I don't, I don't know what's the equivalent of, uh, let's see, um, what is the equivalent of um, a woman, uh, a man doing what a woman doing? What would be the equivalent uh, of a woman doing what a man's doing? And, and that receives praise. And it receives praise <laughs> because when we reverse it. Um, I was trying to look up the young lady's name who was a kicker for the uh, football team because everybody on the football team got COVID and they brought in this female to kick. And the amount of people, I mean, of course, there were women who were praising her for just like, yes, like, go ahead, be on a men's team, do the job well, you know, kick butt, take names, you know, and the amount of men saying like, I hope she gets crushed. I hope they actually treat her like a man. I hope she gets her brains knocked out. All types of ridiculousness. Instead of saying like, oh, wow, maybe I didn't realize a woman could be just as good as a kicker as a man or just as strong or whatever, whatever. It was more of a like, well, I hope she gets what she deserves. Whatever that is, is like brutality, pain and brokenness. So, because she dared to step into a man's game or into a, a man's world. Wow. And I think that happens a lot when a woman dares to step into a man's world, whatever that means, right? To say that I want to be, you know, the head of this company or I want to be in a position of power. Women are then looked at not necessarily as, as praise for saying like, oh, wow, like, you're doing this thing that men do. Like, wow, that's great. It's like, oh no, no, don't you got kids to take care of? Like, don't you, don't you have things, other things? And you aren't you worried about breaking a nail? You know, like um, these these things are just so totally degrading to the state of women. It's like, oh, you don't belong here. Versus, uh, oh wow, like you're doing it. Even even as patronizing as it is for for people to applaud men for like bathing and feeding their children. It's just like the same thing when you have uh, women who are doing things, who are breaking glass ceilings, who are becoming vice presidents of the United States. And you have men saying like, oh, we don't want to give women the nuclear codes. They're going to blow stuff up because they're PMSing. Like really crazy stuff like that. Like people are saying things. And then the question is like, well, haven't all wars been started by men? And the answer is yes. So, <laughs> so all that to say, I, if I think about it, there probably are some examples of women being praised for, for quote unquote, breaking glass ceilings and for stepping into a man's world, whatever that is. But the, I feel like more often than not, it is degrading. It's like, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be doing these things. You have other things that you need to be tending to. And it's not to leave this to the man. We've been manning it up for the last whatever, whatever. You do what women do. We're going to do what men do. And if you step in here, that means we're going to have to change what we do because we're going to have to acknowledge that 
a woman is here and you're like anatomically different than us. And so we need to not be growing it up anymore. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agree with everything you just said. I, uh, I think that like, so here's a slightly more, uh, uh, like covert example, I guess, of what you're, what we're talking about, about like women getting, um, so getting like frowned upon to put it politely, um, for like displaying more classically like male attributes. So I think like one of the ones that stands out, a male attribute that stands out is being a protector, right? Like the man is the protector. And, um, I, I worked in a group home for teenagers for a couple of years as a therapist and um, mostly women working there and we're breaking up fights all the time, like all the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, during certain seasons, it was like multiple times a week over and over and over again. Um, and I would share that with people and it was like, wow, what a shame that you had to do that. Whereas I think if I were, a man, it would, it would have been different. It would have been like, wow, good job. Like, you know, way to, way to take care of those kids and like, you know, really step up and, and things like that. Whereas it was like, wow, why would you, why would you do that? You know? And, um, and I think it's, it's funny because women wind up in helping professions, like, especially mm -hmm. like in therapeutic mm -hmm. settings, way, 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 way more than men. Right. Um, and there's actually, ironically, a giant space for men to be like more classically male. Um, there's a hmm. void there um, of male presence and in that way. But um, also women are able to do those things as well. And not as like, a, not as in a second best way, you know? Right, right. Or some like counterfeit, counterfeit right. way, if that makes sense. Mish. As, as you were talking, a person who came to mind is Serena Williams. No, yes, Serena Williams. Um, so, like, do you, because, so, one of the things that I, I remember about Serena is that she's um, worked very hard to almost, like, defend her, like, feminine qualities because she's strong yeah what, i mean what i mean how do you how do uh, what what do you and 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 okay so there's that so there's that piece i'm gonna just lay that over over here maybe it'll become something maybe it won't but even getting at what you and ann are talking about like do you see it having effects on the students that you that you work with I mean, clearly it's, it's, there's, there's an experience that you've had with it, but do you, do you see it have, do you see this idea that like, um, women aren't celebrated, um, as, as having like putting pressure or, or negatively affecting the girls and the women, the young women that you, that you work, that you work with? What are you asking, Moke? I'm asking that. I mean, like, so like when, when you talk with, when you talk with them or when, like when they're going through their coursework or um, just navigating relationships like on campus, um, obviously don't divulge information about specific, specific people, but um, 
what kind of experiences do, do they have thinking about getting into th- this kind of a world where they will potentially not be celebrated for um, in the same way that men will be celebrating doing the things that they are, quote unquote, more naturally inclined to? I don't know. I think it's it's two different worlds, right? It's like it's when you when you look at think of a a, a Christian environment where you have um, traditions and certain ideals or certain things about uh, temperaments about marriage and rings by spring and you know dating for six weeks and getting married. How long you were engaged, Mo? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think. I think that is a different world where where you have a Christian tradition of of this um, of of holding marriage as an ideal versus um, not where you are in a more um, you know more of a, a public institution where people don't talk as much about marriage and rings and springtime and bells and whatever, like that's not really a thing, right? So most people are talking about other things. And I think okay. that the role of, of of being female looks differently on a campus, okay. Christian campus, um, an overtly Christian campus versus not. And what what roles you do or you don't play into because it's, it's more conversations at Gordon of like, well, I'm not going to be that, whatever, you know. Um, okay woman i'm not going to be that type of woman who is who is after a ring or i am you know like i want to be married i want to have kids i want to do this you know and it's like you fall into either one of those categories and it's a conversation it is a topic of conversation and it's conversations that's being had on on whether or not you fall into this category of woman of of wanting to fall into that or not or to be a part of that culture or not and I think that the students that I work with now are not necessarily talking about those things. It's a lot of it's a lot of different things that are going on in, in, in the world outside of of a predominantly Christian institution, you know, okay. where femininity is defined in a lot of ways. Like people get to choose their their pronouns and choose how mm-hmm. they identify as a woman or not. Or say, like, I don't want to fall into those traditions. I don't want to be called a she. I want to be called they or them. And it's mm-hmm. an expression of who they are, you know, and right. who they, they choose to be. And even who they've always been, but never had the opportunity to express. And so you're coming into wow. conversations now when you talk about femininity with the students I work with okay. about different ways to express being feminine or masculine or not right or to say that i am defined by what i can or can't do or what a uh, job i can or can't apply for or what field i can and can't um study is different conversations and mm-hmm. one of the conversations i had or was asked to have was with the math and sciences and just kind of talking through how math and sciences are predominantly male fields of study. And at some point um, in elementary school, like students, women 
girls tend to stray away from math and sciences. And um, there is, I think, I think there's a lot of societal pressure to telling, to telling like girls that you, you, there are other things for you to do, right? Like this isn't for you. And even subconsciously, like teachers who call on male students more than female students and like a lot of things. So I had to have a conversation with the math and science department about how they treat women in the department. And it was, it was so much so that students, just two students came into my office. It was just like, you deal with like equity, right? Like, so we have this problem where we, when we talk, we are being talked over in our classes. And when we have ideas, we're being, you know, dismissed. Um, it was, I mean, had a whole departmental meeting with students and faculty and the faculty was very supportive because they're just like, yeah, we, we see, we see it. We see that male students, predominantly white male students have something to prove and they want to see who's the smartest person when they don't know anything. You're all in college and you're, <laughs> and are being dismissive. So we collected some stories for from people who are female or identify as female and they just kind of say like, hey, I walked into this class and I'm the only woman there. And this is how I feel. Or I step into a, a room and I'm the only female of color there. And, you know, just kind of the the feelings associated with that. And, and even just kind of going into a situation mm-hmm. where they are bringing up an idea and automatically is see, seen as wrong because of their gender and the people don't even know that they're doing it. And so it's like a, um, I don't know, it just, it feels like different conversations. Not to say that these conversations aren't happening um, at a Gordon, or right. things like that. It's right. just not, my my role wasn't that, right? And so okay. my role being what it was, I was talking to students more about life as an RD. And now I'm talking to students more about, I mean, not so much more, not so much about life, more about diver, diversity, equity, and right. inclusion. Right, right, right. Hmm. I think um, one of the things that's like standing out to me from what you said so far is just that like in many ways being a woman being female being feminine however it's defined is um is going to be met with some form of resistance whether it's like an encouragement to sort of stay in your current expression like if you have if you have more like classically female attributes then it's like okay good job don't stray out off that path like stay within that path and then um, if you're if you're like venturing out of that, then there's like pressure to rejoin or discouragement or that kind of thing. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, I don't know, what's what's the like, how do you um, how do you personally like think about your female identity, your feminineness, your femininity and um like your journey to where you are today with that. Hmm. You can ask the question in a more clear way if you, if that would be helpful, but. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I think about it, I think the reason why I'm in the position I am now, one of the reasons is because I saw women and particularly women of color in positions where I want to be. Mm. And I feel like if there is a place that is already making room, whatever the reasons are, could be because you want to check off some boxes or it could be because you're down for the cause. But for whatever the reason, there's space being made, right? And when you look at institutions, a lot of institutions, when you see people in positions of power, they usually look like male right? (laughs) And they usually look like white males. Mm -hmm. And so when you see people like, you know, who represent you doing the things that you're doing and beyond, it's like, okay, there's room for me. And so um, that was probably one of the main reasons why I am where I am. Because when I see the VP, uh, you know, student life, when I see the dean, when I see the director, all women, um, it means something. Right. It means something for me personally. And so I think that um, I, I mean, I don't know if I can say that I've always looked at that. Right. Um, as a place. But even where coming from from Gordon, the, the VP was a woman as well when I when I came on. And so it's just to say that, like people making room and making spaces matter. Right. And you don't want to go somewhere that that doesn't that you don't fit. And I think that's a reason why people have a hard time is because they don't fit. And a friend said to me uh, once, um, said to a group of people once, it's just like, when you, when you move into a new town, you know, look at the, the local hospital and see what the doctors look like. <laughs> and it's just like, if you're not seeing anybody that looks like you, like you might not want to move to that town. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, um, you want to be in a place that's going to make space for you. And I mm-hmm. think that it's, it's not on everyone's radar. Like it's not on everyone's consciousness. So if you are never in or given the opportunity to be in a position that's outside of your, your normal, right? Like when we were talking earlier about white culture, you, you just exist in it and you exist in a world where nothing is different. You're not going to expect different, but when people are making things and making space for differences, that means something, right? Like you're not just existing. You're not just going about your life. You're saying that, okay, there are other people who can contribute to what I'm doing that's different than I am, that look different than me, that have different ideas. And to say like the a whole half of the population um, has no place on your, your board or your, your, your board of directors or your trustees or your deans or your deacon boards or whatever it is, if you're not making space for those people who make up half of your congregations, half of your students, half of your population, then what are you doing? Mm. Right. Because you're missing a whole nother perspective that you cannot fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. You have not lived it. You have not breathed it. You don't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And to say, well, you have a, a mother or daughter or sister does not fill that gap. I have a daughter. So what? I have a cat. That does not mean I know how to act like a feline, right? And so it's just kind of like it, it makes no difference. And so I think when I when I think about my journey as a woman and navigate spaces, it's like I want to be in spaces um, that make room for me. Mm. 
I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm recalling a conversation I have. I go rounds with this this guy that Moki and I went to seminary with, who I won't name, about this kind of stuff. And um, he was, and I was talking about how like women are um, like we have something different to bring to the table. And uh, um, he, it was really interesting. He goes, "Well, if women and men are essentially the same, then why do you need women at the table?" And um, anyway, and so I'm just, wow. I, I think it's, I don't think any of us would say that men and women are essentially exactly the same. Like I think testosterone does some things to the brain. Estrogen does some things to the brain, right? Like these are real. Um, real. They're not, I would say, I would say in my personal opinion, men and women are more alike than we're different, but the differences do show up. Um, how do you like, we're looking at like a Venn diagram overlap what's what's the part of your life and your identity that you have like come to terms with like this is this is like uniquely me female feminine um yeah or maybe not like if if there's if that's or maybe all of you I don't know like how do you I don't know I mean when Moke was like (laughs) he's like hey uh Mish you want to like speak on my podcast I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. What is it about? He's like, femininity. And I'm like, you got the wrong person. Like, <laughs> I was like, you you didn't mean me. Because I was like, we could talk about, you know, Black lives. We can talk about identity. We could talk about culture all day, you know? And I was like, I don't necessarily talk about my femininity. That's not something that I like. I have like I would say I have language for or sure. that if someone asked me to come and present on it I wouldn't have to do some prep work and some some preparation to know what I'm talking about and so it's just like you know why why you want me to talk about femininity <laughs> uh, I don't I guess I just don't view myself I guess in the lens of like a crusader or a feminist even though I am it's not like something that I I I go out for, right? Like if there's a female rally, um, am I out there? You know, if there's a speaker talking about, you know, the, the, I don't know, anything, right? The pay gaps or female rights and reproduction or whatever, right? I'm, I'm not the one buying a ticket and like sitting in the front row of those types of talks. It's not necessarily my go-to. And so I think that when you ask the question, it's just like, oh, I don't know. I don't really think about it, right? <laughs> I don't think about um, what makes me uniquely female um, or not. Uh, sometimes I do think about, like, personally, it's like, okay, um, like things like uh, motherhood or things like like that. So I'm just like, you know, I don't necessarily subscribed to that channel either where it's just like oh you know I want to be a a mother I want to bring children into this world and so it's just like is that something that makes me uniquely female right um I don't know (laughs) Hmm. I mean like well gee you were supposed to have the answers because (laughs) I don't have them either (laughs) no it's so funny you say that though because um yeah, like I was trying to figure out, like Moki was asking me, like, who who would you want to talk to? And I was like, well, geez, like, 
all I know is that it can't just be me because I don't have this thing figured out. So at least I'm in good company. Yeah. I mean, there are people out there who study women and gender and yeah. And female movements and can, and probably would have been a better uh, correspondent than I am right now. And it ain't going to break down like some of the things, but um, I'm here. I don't want to talk to them. I don't mean I know who I am. I identify mm. as a black woman. I know what that means in the spaces that I occupy. Mm. Right. I um know what it means for the struggle mm-hmm. um to to be female, you know, in America, to be black in America. Um and so I think those things are never separate from me. Yeah. But it's right. also not something I've I've dove deep into to say that I am, um, I have a list, you know, to show that these are the things that, that I am conscious of all the time, but I don't know, I guess it makes for an interesting conversation. Yeah. Well, I think the interesting, so like, I mean, I read feminist thought from time to time whenever I'm like, yeah get frustrated I guess and I'm like I need someone to commiserate with but I the funny thing is I think that all of the gender studies aside it's still very personal like it comes down to like how do you and I understand it personally and um and then also like how do we to use your language like make space for other women to like understand and develop and thrive in their femininity um which is, yeah, which can be challenging for sure. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think that in in those terms, I do think about often is that how do I make space for others? Yeah, and I think that's part of 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 mentoring. Like, who do I hire? Right? Like, who are the people who I I hire who, who am I willing to go to bat for, even if they don't necessarily fit the the mold? And I think a lot of it is to saying that like we when we are put in positions, we have to do something with them, right? So it does nothing to for me to see a, a director, a VP, a, um, a dean in these positions of power as women if they're not elevating women. Um, if they're just playing the game, if they're just, they're put in a position, they're keeping their head down, they're doing what they need to do, they're essentially, you wouldn't notice, right? <laughs> you wouldn't notice if it was a white man or a woman in that position. And I don't think that does any anything, anybody justice, especially when you are, I guess, operating from a deficit, when you're operating uh, out of, there's only a handful of places that you can say have women in these positions and are keeping women in these positions and retaining them. And so um, I think part of it's like, well, I made it this far. Why, why stir the pot or why shake the bag or whatever? But it's just like, no, you made it this far. Now it's time to shake the bag, right? Like now mm-hmm. it's time to stir the pot. Now it's time to elevate women and, and, and making sure that the opportunities that you were given, you're given to someone else. Um, and that the chances that were allowed to you are not allowed to you, but now that you have this position or now that you're in a position of influence or in a position of power that you use that to the benefit of other women, 
right? And to the benefit of others. And I had um, a former student uh, graduate last year and reach out to me. And she said to me, um, no one else would have given me a chance Mm. because I did not meet the criteria to become a resident advisor or whatever. Like I didn't have the grades, I didn't have this, but you gave me a chance and I made it, (laughs) you know, I've graduated, right? Because I was given that chance and the opportunity has changed me in some way, right? And not just, I mean, anyone, right? Like any student of color or, who wouldn't be looked at because of whatever, right? Because they don't fit the mold, Mm -hmm. which is the norm, which is typically white, right? Like to say that you don't fit the mold and because you are different in a myriad of ways than we expect, then you don't deserve to be in this position, right? You haven't, you haven't checked all the boxes, but if you look past the check boxes and look at a potential of a student, and you're not giving them an opportunity to prove themselves or even giving them an opportunity to be themselves because they've already been labeled and outcast because of what they're not, right? You're not the smart one or you're not the athletic one or you're not the one who's organized. And so therefore you can't, is to say like, no, actually this is gonna help them be more organized. This is gonna help them be a better student because they are, gaining skills that they would not have had the opportunity to gain by being dismissed from this position. And so when we talk about making space, it is looking at where you are and who you can elevate because of where you are. Well, I, I, I think that's why um, you're the, the one who's on the guest today and not someone else, Mish, because and this is what's, what's cool. And I didn't know how to articulate it when I asked you to come. But as you talk and throughout just this this conversation, um, you know, and not just me, but it sounds like just even from students and the people that you work with are recognizing that you understand um, how just the how power and the, the power dynamics and how to leverage your position to bring up people. Um, that perhaps don't have as much leverage or perhaps don't have as much um, uh, as much power as, as you do or as other people who may have. And so I, I think that's that's one of the things that uh, I'm just being honest with me from 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 my side, I, I lose sight of, you know, is 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 the, like you said, you know, making space for other people, um, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a fallen man, you know, literally, you know, I just, I, I forget that responsibility to other people and for other people. And I, I think just you being able to help us remember that um, and, and also just be courageous enough to do that. Cause it takes a lot of courage, Mish. You're doing something that not a lot of people mm. have the courage to do. And uh, you know, so, and so I, I think that's something not to take, lightly or to, to 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 minimize in any way but you've you know um you're, you're making you're, you're changing lots of lives and um you know 
I mean, even, even if just you coming on this podcast was just to talk about the fact that, you know, you know, the thing where you said, you know, having a daughter doesn't mean that you understand, you know, um, you know, and saying, you know, I have a cat. Doesn't mean I know what it means to be a feline. <laughs> that was, man, that was really funny. I'm going to remember that for yeah. many, many days. Okay. So, um, what, like, I think a lot of women when we were growing up struggle when we hit whatever age with being a girl, you know, turning into a young woman, like what is, what would you, what would have been helpful to you when you were growing up and then coming into adulthood, um, maybe from other women, from other men or from men, you know, like, um, in terms of like making space for you to become for you to become and for you to like, and for even just like understanding your identity as a black woman and like, what does it mean to be a black woman? Like what, what would have been helpful or what was helpful? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that, I mean, I, a couple of things come to mind. One, and I feel like they're kind of contradictory. So one thing that comes to mind is like, we, typically grow up with uh I mean I did anyway with this Disney mentality of fairy tales and Prince Charmings and um happily ever afters that type of thing um and in some ways I feel like that was a detriment but in some ways I feel like it wasn't and so I say that in the sense that um, the reality of 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 being a woman is not as easy as losing a glass slipper and somebody searching the kingdom to find you, right? Um, and it's more of the you know you're. <laughs> going through the cinders and you're cleaning up after messes and, you know, the, the hard part of the Cinderella fairy tale, right? I think that a lot of people don't talk about like abuse and brutality that Cinderella went through as a stepdaughter and more so talk about like, oh, she's a princess. That was like, that wasn't most of her life. Most of her life was the you know um the the pain she endured mm -hmm. right and the hardships that she endured and the unfair treatment she endured right and um i think that when we talk about fairy tales we focus on the happy endings and not what it took to get there and i think that a lot of times when we talk about what's needed is not necessarily talking about the, the struggle of it and the, the hard work and the determination and the grit that you must have as a woman um, to get you to where you need to be. And even then, you know, if you do get your glass slipper, that's just the starting of another story. Um, mm. And I mean, what was it like in the palace, right? Like, what things had to be endured or compromised or or put up with to to endure that as well. And so I think that 
the the detriment is this focus on the happy endings um and that not every everything is a fairy tale there's there's no um you know perfect relationship out there <laughs> waiting for you um but then also it's just the the grit of it and I don't think anyone gives Cinderella credit for putting up with all that. It's more she gets credit for finding a man, right? She doesn't get credit for um, for taking care of an entire family and making sure that their house was mm. clean and their meals were cooked and they were, you know, all of their, like, once we're taken care of, right? And so I think that that's that's the thought that I had. I don't know if I answered your question at all, but um the thought that I had about 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 fairy tales. But then I also feel like young women at some point are told to stop dreaming, right? To to stop um wanting more than is expected or prescribed to them and to stop um stop doing that right like that's not what you should be doing and I feel like I don't know at some point there's a shift that happens where where no one is encouraging women to keep dreaming and Mm -hmm. doing what is not necessarily prescribed to women to do, right? And to go after that that career or that job or that position or that field of study or that education or or that family or whatever it is, it's like it's um something is is stifled, you know, mm-hmm. to say that you can you can do these things. Does any of that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think a lot of it resonates deeply <laughs> uh, with me personally, but like, what would you say, what did it take for you to be able to start dreaming again? I'm still dreaming in. Hmm. I think that um, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't um necessarily feel like I am am limited in what I can go after. I do feel like I'm limited in what I have just by proximity of what I've already done. Sure. Right. So when we think about like careers, like, okay, where do I go from here? And I always say I can go anywhere, right? Like I can I don't have to stay in higher education, right? I can go into corporate. I can do a myriad of things, but it's a matter of of breaking out of that, right? And and, and breaking out of what we are used to doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for, for anyone who is looking at their life through the lens of their career. It's like, well, you've now been working for X amount of years and you developed this skill set or this uh, particularity into this one one thing, and you've you you know 
maybe mastered it, if you've you know got a master's degree or, or you are dedicated or you know it so well, why change it? And I think that um, part of, part of, of, of keep dreaming is to say like, well, you, you have permission to change it, right? To, to flip the script or to, to change the story based on what it is that you've, you've always wanted to do. And I think that um, a lot of times people say that that's adventurous, right? To, to change it up. And when, let's say, uh, um, a stay-at-home mom decides to go back to school. It's like, oh, yes, adventurous. Or, uh, um, or someone who is in a certain career field decides to change. It's looked at as as being adventurous. It's not looked at as as chasing your dreams or or following your heart. It's like, oh, you're taking a risk um, <laughs> in doing that thing that you've always wanted to do that you didn't have the opportunity to do before or that you've been dreaming about doing your whole life, but life has not dealt you the right hands or that you finally have uh, a source of income or even a source of strength to go after that thing, right? It's looked at as, oh, you're taking a risk instead of following a dream or or chasing after what you want. And I think that at some point life just gets lived mm-hmm. and we forget to to dream, right? Yeah. I definitely think um, women in particular, I think this happens to men too, but maybe just in a different way. Um, we are expected to be pragmatic because we're always we're always supposed to be meeting needs, right? So that naturally flows in is there's like a expectation of pragmatism that goes with that and it's great to be pragmatic but not at the expense of like shutting down imagination and and possibility and um yeah I think it's also a lifelong process of learning how to suspend pragmatism sometimes and think outside the box I mean, and I was in a workshop once about uh, women in a workplace and just kind of talking about how women feel like they need to be 100% qualified for a job to apply for and men feel like they need to be 50% qualified. And so you have women only going after things that they feel absolutely certain about and men going after things that they feel, all right, you know, okay, I can, I think I can do that. Um, And and in that, it's just kind of saying that, like, women tend to, I guess, not necessarily put themselves out there as much because we are thinking about, like, okay, well, why would I put myself in a position where I can't do something, you know? Or, and <laughs> if that's the case, am I going to be even further looked down at because like they've already expected that a woman couldn't do it. And now you, you're in here. Whereas like, I don't think men get questioned as much like, um, and so when you think about it, uh, any man out there that maybe listen to this podcast, if you're working alongside a woman, she's probably more qualified than you are because she thought about, how much of the job she can actually do before she applies for it. And a hundred percent more. And it's a hundred, it's about a hundred percent more. So, um, 
Sheesh. Wow. I did not know that. That's that is that's news to me. Yeah, and wow. also women don't don't necessarily ask for promotions as much either. So let's say, you know, the situation is Moke and I, we apply for a job. I feel like I can do all the job. Moke thinks he can do half of it. We both get the job. I can do all of it. He can do about half of it. And he asks for more money. And therefore I am, I can do more of the job than he can. And I haven't asked for more money because I feel like, okay, why wouldn't they pay me what I'm worth? But he's getting paid more because he asked for it, even though he can only do 50% of the job. And so, and the thing is, is that people are not just handing out money, right? They're going to give you. So if I am hired for a job and say, this is the salary. And if I say, okay, they're, gonna, they're not going to be like, oh, we can offer you more. <laughs> they're not. They're going to be like, okay, well, this is what we're going to pay you. But if Moak says like, oh, how about, I, you know, I get a little bit more. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll think, we'll think about it. Okay, we can pay you more. Um, and so women are getting paid less for 100% of the job that they're qualified to do and men only 50% qualified for the do, them to do and they're getting paid more. And so... Uh, Let me ask you this, Mish. So, like, and I'm asking this just so I can get some questions. Is it because... is Are men getting paid more because they're asking more? Asking for money more? Because it sounds like... In you know, certain situations, Okay, yes. all right. I just want to make... I, I want to make sure that what you're saying here is that men are men are paid more just because they're asking because if that's the problem then all women got to do is ask for more money and they'll pay more money <laughs> in certain situations yes no but uh the the pay gap is it deeply rooted in <laughs> uh, patriarchy and unfair treatment and so it's just for people believing that men are more qualified and deserve more. They get offered more as well, right? Um, and so that that is that, right? And the the the, the whole cult but, of the of charisma, yeah, the is pretty significant. Yeah, statistically, women do not ask for more promotions or more money or more raises mm. as much as men do. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like. I guess if you look at it as like, you know, if we're, if again, if we're going in for the same job, Mo, can you get hired knowing 50%, I get hired knowing 100% and they offer you more off the bat and then you ask for more. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's more real, right? Like okay. you're offered more and you ask for more. Dang. Yeah. I've read that even when you adjust for negotiating and all, all the things that are often thrown out, like well, women take time off to raise kids and women don't negotiate as hard and um, all those things, even when adjusted for all those things, the pay gap is still there. So, yeah. The pay gap is, is still there. Yeah. Still alive and thriving. Mm -hmm. And then also men should take time off for raising kids too. Yeah. I did that. I would love to do it again. <laughs> You having more it kids, was, Mo? Hey, um, I it's um, I don't know how to say it. Um, it's a work in progress. <laughs> I need more. I need more money first. To be, to be, I can afford this one. We can afford this one. We gotta, 
we got to bump up our uh, our price point for the second one. But uh, I would, and even just thinking forward about even in the future, um, for me, uh, and I think about what I want to do for work. My my number one um, priority is work that allows me to take time to be with my family and my kids when they're growing up that's mm. that's like non-negotiable so you know well if the only places i could do that is working in like nova scotia i might be more flexible but that is something that's very 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 high on the priority list and i mean that's one of the things that's changing is is this i you know paternity leave if you want to call it that is is becoming a, a legit a legit thing more more so now which is is, is pretty awesome um, I, I wonder though, and I don't want it to be something that's like awesome in the, in the way that you talked about, you know, men, um, you know, braiding their, their, their daughter's hair. I don't mean it in that sense. I mean, in the sense that like, just, yeah, I want to be there for my kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but what Mish, you got to hit, hit, hit us up with, with a final thought here. What, um, well, it sounds like you didn't think that you were the right person for this Absolutely podcast. Not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Well, we've been talking for a while now. What what do you think now? I mean, where do you see like some real potential in this idea of femininity and even like creating space for, for other people? Where do you see the potential for that? moving forward and not just in school but like how can we learn to do that better Mm -hmm. i mean i think that it is i mean like you said something you have to if you're not if it's not ingrained in you it's something you have to learn and i think that we are individualistic especially as a culture and a lot of times the focus is on us and getting, moving us to the next level and how can I improve my fill in the blank, right? Um, How can I develop my fill in the blank? And it's not necessarily an outward glance at who's around you, um, who can you take along for the journey, right? As you improve your fill in the blank or as I develop my, my plan for my life, it's like, you know, are you moving on without um leaving anything behind as far as a legacy or as far as a a role or a position or a hand you know to help pull someone someone else up or you know and I think a lot of times that's what we do we we move on um we go on to the next thing the next chapter of our life and the next chapter of our career and not necessarily looking looking at how did I get here maybe who helped me along the way And I think for a lot of people, it may be like, well, I got here myself. And I think that you don't really do anything alone. And if you take a broader look at the picture, you're going to see that there were people helping you along the way to get to the places that you are. And then how can I, in turn, do that for others? And I think that is something that we have to intentionally do. And... I love that. I think even just, I think that we're seeing 
we're feeling like the need for that now more than any other time, right? Since we've all been fairly isolated for the last year, we're coming up on a year, you know, just the, that we cannot be fully human without others. And um, yeah, we do, we need each other. And I think um, we need each other. And then we also have to like, be able to have to not have a scarcity mentality in order to do what you're talking about. So we need each other, but we also have to live from abundance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, and Mish, I think we done milk that cow all the way till the, the, the bone ain't nothing left. What do you think? Is there, is there anything left? Am I missing anything? Is there any more of this cow left? We got. There's a it's whole barn. Cool. There's well, a whole just, barn full of cows, Smokey. <laughs> I mean, we we're talking about living out of abundance, so there's always more to give. But at mm. this point, we're gonna end the conversation. Let's get out of here. There you go. <laughs> well, hey, look, uh, Mish, thank you so much for hanging with us. Um, you know, this is the first, and and really, God willing, and and for sure, we do not want it to be the last. Um, this is uh, the Growing Pains uh, podcast. I'm your host, Mokey Russell. I'm joined by the Ever Real Don't Get More Real Ann Harrington. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging with us. For us, the GPP, we're out. <laughs> <laughs>